uh, since I did not put this in the main intro to this episode, I'm just putting this note here. There are some potentially triggering topics that we get into in this episode, as will be the case for, I'm going to guess, the bulk of these episodes, if not all of them. So, trigger warnings are listed in the episode description, and as usual, if you think I have missed any, or if there is anything specific to you that you'd like me to tag in future, please do let me know. My contact info will be listed at the end of the episode. Thanks. Hello and welcome to Curdled Ink, musings on poor writing and problematic romance. And yes, it's true, we have a title now, we have a tagline, things are progressing. It's probably going to continue to get more official as the episodes go on because I'm trying to, like, actually dedicate some time to putting this podcast together these days. So... It is chapter two of Fifty Shades of Grey that we are talking about, and I know it's only been a little while since you've heard the last episode, probably, but it's been several weeks at this point since I recorded the last episode, so if I'm forgetting a little bit of the plot or whatever, if it's not quite as... I lost the word. Whatever. You know what I mean. If it's a little bit of a choppy presentation for now, I apologize. I'm going to try to get into a regular recording schedule with this. I also just moved, and this is my first time attempting to record in my walk-in closet, which I'm hoping to use as, like, an impromptu vocal booth. Impromptu isn't the right word, but you know what I mean. So the audio quality in this episode is probably going to be different from the last episode. Hopefully better. Hopefully at the very least not worse. We'll see. I will probably keep experimenting with this as time goes along. So anyway, Fifty Shades of Grey, chapter two. Here we go. Anastasia had just met Christian, given an interview, sort of, kind of. (laughs) I already dislike him. Anna's already, of course, head over heels in love with him, and uh, here we begin chapter two. The first, like, half of the first page of chapter two is dedicated to one of my pet peeves about this entire series. I'm not gonna say one of my biggest pet peeves because there are a lot competing for that title, but um, it's definitely one of my pet peeves where she's feeling these feelings of having a crush on Christian and, like, being attracted to him, and she's so confused about it. She's like, what am I, what is this? What am I feeling? What are these feelings inside of me? (laughs) First of all, it's just really unrealistic writing because, like, unless you're asexual, in which case, like, I- you know, I'm not going to try and speak for the asexual experience because I am not asexual, and also I know that, you know, different ace people, it manifests in different ways, yada yada, all of those usual disclaimers, but Anna in this series is, to my mind, pretty clearly not intended to be ace, and therefore, like, how do you get to college without having a crush on anybody? Like, at least enough to recognize those feelings when they happen. I didn't even get through elementary school without having my first crush, so, like, I can't imagine being however the fuck old she's supposed to be in this book. Point being, how, how are you, Anna, 
sweetie, how are you this confused? It's a crush. Also, she's, like, completely flustered by the interview because, yeah, it was pretty fucking weird. And, like, some of that is Christian's fault. Listen to episode one. But she's so flustered. She's thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I don't have to see Christian again. Which is a fucking terrible start to a romance novel. No, that's not romantic. What are you doing? And so she gets back to her apartment and Catherine, her roommate, is like quizzing her about how the interview went and what Christian was like and is like shocked that she's acting so flustered, which just strikes me as odd. He's, he's, isn't he supposed to be like this heartthrob? Like what? Of course she's flustered. And she's like totally like painfully awkward um, on purpose, not on purpose in universe, but like she was purposefully written as this totally painfully awkward thing. And it, it just, it feels like this really typical heteronormative patriarchy misogyny thing of the ideal female lead is just so pure and virginal and innocent of anything even vaguely, you know, sinful, and then the the bad boy gets to come along and corrupt her, and yes, that's a fantasy. Yes, there are ways to write that. This is not that. <laughs> this is more along the lines of those, like, Tinder doms who specifically look for and advertise themselves toward inexperienced submissives so that they can, like, train them to not stick up for themselves. And it's, it's just, and it's, it's totally preying off this series, too. Like, Fifty Shades of Grey gave those creepy Tinder doms so much fuel to just, like, post the the faceless black and white photo of themselves in a suit with like a whip in their hands and being like have you ever wanted to explore your darker instincts let me show you the way and it's like no no that's not because those guys are just out to find a girl that they can just totally take advantage of who doesn't know what a healthy bdsm ds kinky relationship looks like and they can just walk all over them and be like oh but that's what bdsm looks like it's like no it's not so anyway that is the vibe i'm getting from this kind of like virginal pure corruptible female lead it's it's not the the way to do that that corruption fantasy well is to be aware of the societal dynamics in play be aware of the patriarchy the heteropatriarchy all of that shit and have the skills to subvert it. E.L. James clearly has not done that work on herself, has not done that research, does not have those skills. She's just, it's, it's just playing into that power structure. So this is where we're introduced to Jose, who is, for those of you who have read Twilight or are somewhat familiar with Twilight, Jose is the token non-white uh, replacement for Jacob. Jose is Anna's and I, I think possibly Catherine's classmate. He is a photographer. Yeah, this is also where shit starts to get real stalkery. So Anna works at a hardware store. And guess who shows up? Christian motherfucking Grey. How did he find out where she works? We'll get to that. 
It's bad. So he has her show him to all of these, like, supposedly pervertibles, which, like, okay, for those who don't know, pervertibles are a concept within kink. There are everyday household objects that you can use in a kinky context, and that can be literally anything because kink is vast and varied, but, like, typical things that you might think of, you can get, like, wooden stirring spoons or, like, cutting boards with handles on them and use those as impact implements. That's pretty common. Things like using scarves or ties to tie someone up. Things like that. Those are pervertibles. However, purposefully finding this girl who you had a very brief encounter with and just decided to sink your fucking evil, creepy talons into, and therefore tracking down her job and showing up there the next day and purposefully having her show you to all of these things that you're about to use in a kink scene, that's creepy, that's inappropriate, that has crossed so many fucking lines. How is this man a romantic lead? I don't get it. He is the villain. And so some of the things that he has her show him to are, first of all, cable ties. No, don't use cable ties in bondage. Okay, I'm not a kink expert. I've done a lot of research. I consider myself fairly knowledgeable about kink, so I don't feel qualified to very often say never do this thing. There will be times when I will say never do this thing, but I don't know. Maybe if you're really fucking experienced in kink and you are like, have like safety scissors close by or whatever, you can use cable ties. I don't know. I'm not going to say never use cable ties. I'm going to say most people in most situations should not use cable ties as bondage equipment. First of all, they're very thin plastic. It's incredibly easy, especially depending on how tight you tie them and how much your sub is going to be struggling because that's something that is sometimes built into the plan of a scene is that the person who is tied up might be struggling. So if they're struggling a lot, it's very, very easy to cut off circulation, even to bite through the skin, cause some serious fucking harm. So bad. Also, they were not designed to go around human body parts. So again, it's, it's going to be really easy for someone to get hurt using them. Third of all, the only way to get them off is to cut them off. That's it. You can't untie them. You can't unbuckle them. You can't, you just, you have to cut them, which is not ideal in a bondage situation that is designed to be temporary, that is designed to have the person be untied at the end of it. So I would recommend against using cable ties is basically what I'm saying. Masking tape. Again, I'm not going to say never use masking tape in a bondage situation. I am going to say, first of all, ouch, which you know, if you like the sensation, like if, if the pain you're into is the sensation of having tape ripped off your skin, I'm not going to yuck that yum. That's fine. But again, not designed to go around human body parts. And the only way you can get it off is to cut it off. If you want to tie yourself or others up with tape, they make bondage tape that is specifically designed to go around human bodies and to be okay to take off. Some of it, I think, is even reusable. So would recommend doing that instead. Finally, he has her 
get him some rope fine you know there's there's a whole world of different ropes and like what sh you should be using for different situations that I'm not even gonna get into here but anyway suffice it to say rope is like the most innocuous thing that he has her show him where to find at this point we're also introduced to Anna's subconscious this one I will feel confident saying is one of my biggest pet peeves in this fucking series. She has her subconscious and then a little bit later we get introduced to her inner goddess and they are little people who live in her head and every once in a while she will describe what her subconscious is saying to her and what her subconscious is wearing and what her subconscious is doing and I fucking hate it. It's just, it's fan fiction writing style which is okay not to i'm not to say fan fiction is inherently bad there are incredibly talented fan fiction writers out there it's just that fan fiction is lower stakes okay no i want to say this first because before all the fan fiction writers out there come for me i myself am a fan fiction writer i haven't written in a while but i have been known to write some fic in my time so no hate to fanfic no hate to fanfic writers i love y'all i am one of y'all please understand that that it, i'm coming from a place of love when i say this there are styles of writing that you can get away with in fan fiction that you well clearly you can get away with it in a published novel but in my humble opinion you should not be able to get away with it in a published novel i guess depending on the style like if this was maybe for like a younger or more immature audience that was the intention then yeah maybe i could see personifying your subconscious and your inner goddess but literally like your audience is not 13 year olds and i feel like 13 year olds are like the audience for a character whose subconscious is a little person who lives in her head. Yeah, this is not that audience for this book. <laughs> this is an adult book with adult themes for an adult audience. Shut the fuck up about what your subconscious is wearing. Just stop it. I hate it so much. I'm gonna go on so many of these rants. All I can tell already and I'm sorry, but I'm not. I just I just read my note my next note and um I forgot that I wrote it this way. So as she's like showing Christian the the tape, their their hands touch and it's so romantic and uh I wrote the way she describes it, it's like she isn't aware her vagina exists. And it's true, and this is this is not the only time this happens in this series, if I remember correctly. It's literally a porn book, but they try they E.L. James tries so hard to avoid talking about Anna's pussy her cunt, her vagina. It's frankly astonishing. Like if you're gonna write filthy smut, you gotta be comfortable talking about genitals. You just gotta. But there's just, there's just so much avoidance. And it's not even like poetic innuendo. It's like down there, deep inside this body part, this area deep within myself. Babe. Have you never jerked off? Like, is that... I mean, uh, no, that's not even what I mean, because, like, no shame if you don't jerk off early in life. That's that's a valid way to live your life if that's your choice. But, like, have you never, like, seen your vulva when you're, like, naked in the shower? Have you never encountered that part of your body before? 
you've been living with it your whole life and it's just you're just not fucking aware of it okay that's cool again it's like she's so pure and she's such like this perfect sheltered little virgin that this man is gonna have to come along and show her how her fucking pussy works because the man knows everything and she knows nothing <sighs> like what the fuck Either that or it's just really fucking bad writing. I don't know. Either way, like, Anna, touch your clit sometimes. It's fun. Anyway, um, I have a quote here that I noted out that I would like to find about Christian being incredibly inappropriate, which he does just with absolutely no anything. He's just like, I'm gonna fuck this woman. She's gonna be my sub, so I don't have to respect her at all. Which, like, by the way, dudes are like that. I encounter dudes like that in my DMs all the fucking time, and it's not okay. It's never okay. Yeah, I found it. So he's, like, getting her to show him all this stuff, and he's, like, trying to dummy flirt with her and be like, yeah, I'm buying all this shit for a kink scene. But, like, she's clueless because she knows nothing because she's the perfect little sheltered romantic lead. She says, anything else you need? I don't know. What else would you recommend? And this is Anna thinking, what would I recommend? I don't even know what you're doing. For a do-it-yourselfer, she asks. He nods, his eyes alive with wicked humor. I flush and my gaze strays to his snug jeans. Which, like, again, like, bro, <laughs> if you flirt a little bit and she's not picking up on it and she's, like, she's clearly not in on this game right now. She does not know that he's trying to flirt her into a, a kinky context. So back the fuck off, dude. She's vanilla. <laughs> Take the hint. She panics. She says coveralls. He raises an eyebrow, amused yet again. You wouldn't want to ruin your clothing. I gesture vaguely in the direction of his jeans. I could always take them off. He smirks. I just yanked the thing out of my headphones. I'm so upset. She did an interview and then you stalked her to her workplace. That's the other thing. He is hitting on her in her place of work. She is a customer service worker in this context. Don't fucking flirt with customer service workers while they're on the clock. They're literally being paid minimum wage to be friendly to you. They are not paid enough for shit, let alone dealing with your fucking flirting. Don't do it. Just fucking don't. Like, I don't care. Don't write your number on your receipt and hand it to your Starbucks barista. Like, don't come up to your drive through window with some flirty bullshit one-liner. Like, just don't do it. Don't flirt with your server at your restaurant because she's being so friendly to you and of course she likes you. No, she wants you to tip her. That's what she cares about is your money. Do not say anything about getting naked to this hardware store employee. It's not okay. Nothing about this is okay. This guy is a creep. Anna, run far away right now. Enter witness protection right now. That's how the series ends. Boom. Two chapters. Done. She finds a good boyfriend. She moves on with her life. Happy ending. Yay! Um, that's not how the story ends. We have three more books of this bullshit. So he gives Anna his business card so that they can do a photo shoot for the article. 
And then the chapter ends when one of Anna's male friends comes over and is like, hey, female person I know, what's up? I'm going to talk to you in a public setting. And Christian, who is a stranger to this girl, is instantly cold, angry, possessive, already jealous of any other man who hoves into her vicinity, even though he has not even asked her out yet. He has barely established interest, like barely. She didn't respond to his flirting. She has not given any indication that she is interested in him in a romantic or sexual context, let alone a full-time DS kink context. And yet, he is already like, who is this other man in your life? Get away from my possession. Like, no, dude, bro, everything about this is bad. There are so many red flags packed into this one single chapter. And yet there are three more books of this bullshit. Well, okay, one of them is the book we're reading right now, but like... (laughs) we've got basically the entire book left to go. But yeah, like, that kind of possessive jealous behavior of, like, getting angry whenever another male interacts with your woman, like, that's unhealthy even if you're in a long-term committed monogamous relationship. That's unhealthy even if you're fucking married and have been for fucking 20 years or what the fuck ever. Like, that's unhealthy. Your partner is allowed to interact with people of the- of- their gender that they are attracted to without it being sexual, without it being a quote-unquote threat to you or quote-unquote competition for you. That's how this works. Being possessive, being that jealous over every tiny little thing, like no matter what fucking romance media tries to shove down our throats, that's not charming. That's not healthy. It's scary. It's controlling. It's possessive. It's unhealthy. If you are around your crush or your partner and someone of their gender of attraction interacts with them and you feel instant anger about that in your soul, you should work on that. You should maybe even go to therapy if it's really serious. At the very least, you should do some soul searching. Ask yourself why. Why you don't trust this person to be around anyone else that they could even potentially be attracted to. That's not good, my friend. It's it's not. <sighs> so anyway, that's the note that the chapter ends on. <laughs> I have been yelling a lot. I am very sweaty. Uh, I've probably not been very good about mic etiquette, so I apologize. I've been, like, doing little angry dances around the mic while I talk. I've been gesturing a lot in a very confined space, so I apologize if the audio quality has suffered because of that. I will try to contain myself. <laughs> in future chapters. But anyway, join me next time. I have not decided if I'm going to release this weekly or bi-weekly, but it will probably be one of those. So join me in the next episode for chapter three. Yay! I haven't figured, I haven't like scripted out my end cap yet, but I am going to put in the show notes where you can find all my stuff for non-sex work stuff. It's all my links dot com slash Lee C artist and for sex work stuff <laughs> it's all my links dot com slash candy 
kitten. And uh, definitely look in the show notes for the spelling on both of those because they are both spelled a little bit unusually. I hope you enjoyed my yelling and my ranting, and I hope you will join me next time as it continues to get even worse. Hang in there. I still don't have an ending line, witty sign-off one-liner, so until then, I will just say, hang in there, my friends, you're doing great. Yeah. (laughs) Bye. Hey, once again, thank you so much for listening to this latest rant. This is Lee from the future one more time. Gonna keep on doing this until past me figures out my outro. <laughs> uh, this podcast can be found at allmylinks.com slash thecurdledpod. And be sure to check the episode description for the spellings on all of those links. Speaking of links, you can find this podcast's Patreon at that last all my links link where you can support this podcast monthly in return for some fun exclusive content and again if you have suggestions for more rewards more tiers whatever you want to see on the patreon i am absolutely open for feedback i feel like there is a lot more that i could be doing with it that i just haven't thought of yet so if you have questions comments concerns or want to make a one-time donation not through patreon you can get in touch with me at at curdledinkpodcast at gmail.com. And again, that is also where you can contact me for any trigger warnings that I am not covering that you would like me to cover. If you can't, don't want to, or don't feel comfortable supporting us, supporting me, I should say, monetarily. And uh, trust me, I get it. We've all been there. Please rate and or leave a review on your podcatcher of choice or tell a friend, write a blog post, do whatever it is you want to do to spread the word about this humble podcast. That would mean the absolute world to me. Thank you so much in advance for doing that. Our logo is by Reese Jones at tearlessrainart.tumblr.com. Again, highly, highly recommend you go check him out. He's a phenomenal artist. And uh, I think he might be getting our closing line next episode, but I will leave that up to you to find out. Okay, bye. Welcome to my podcast. (laughs) One sec, I'm taking off my sweatshirt. Oh, I'm stripping in the vocal booth. It's so hot. But, like, actually, it's hot in here because I'm in a fucking closet. Yes, I'm like, (laughs) I'm breathing hard in here. I'm like getting myself worked up and it's warm and I'm sweating. Okay, this is just going to be my second workout of the day. That's fine. I'm like bumping into my mic stand. Um, If you have... Nope, I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs)